Hello, hello. To all my wonderful partners, I want to say a big hello to all of you. Bless you. Listen, honestly, this is going to be a most uplifting, eye-opening teaching that I want to give you from the scriptures. Back in the 90s, the Lord gave me some amazing keys from the scriptures about recovery. Because at that time, I was a pastor in Orlando. And, you know, I prayed often that God would speak to me on what to bring to the people. And, th and this here was one of the most amazing um, times for our church, where I really saw what, what, what I'm going to show you really works. I mean, this works. How to recover everything. Everything lost is coming back, but how to do it? What, what is my part? What's your part to see it happen? This is what I'm going to talk about. So make sure to tell your friends. Go, go ahead and share it. Let them know that we're on. Hello to Risper and hello to Vera from Missouri. Uwade, hello to Hans from Faroe Island and to Omola. Omolola, like I've told you already, you have great names, all of you. Hello to Sylvia and Sarah from, Ka from Pakistan. Louisa, God bless you, Louisa. Hello to Shamila uh, from Trinidad and Tobago, West Indies. That's a beautiful part of the world, by the way. Hello to Princess Shinwe. My goodness, hello to Adriana. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you praise, all the praise and all the glory and all the honor and all the majesty belongs to you, sweet heavenly Father, wonderful Jesus, blessed Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray you'll use this teaching, Lord, to truly bring recovery to your people. In Jesus' name, complete recovery for your glory. And God's people said, amen and amen. All right, I want to begin by reading Joel chapter 2, Joel 2, 23. And I'm sure you know that blessed verse or blessed uh, portion of the Word of God. But let's begin by reading, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, that's the church, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now, this promise is given to the church only, not to the world, that God is going to do something powerful in the first month. The first month is always Passover, the time of Passover, always the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Now, I want to go back and explain something to you about what it means when God says these words in verse 23. He hath given you the former rain, moderately, 
he'll cause to come down the former and the latter together. The former rain uh, establishes harvest time, uh, sorry, seed time. Former rain always seed time, and harvest time is always the, the latter rain. So what God is saying here is seed time and harvest will happen at the same time. There will be no in-between. So today in the natural, they sow their farms in the spring, they reap in the fall. Well, the summer, nobody does anything. Spiritually speaking, God says, I'm going to cause you to sow and reap in one month. That's quick recovery. And quick recovery happens because of the cross, always the first month, always Passover. Now, let me also say something else here. Verse 25, I will restore to you the years, the locust and the canker worm, that's the crawling locust. By the way, when, when the Bible says locust, it means swarming locust. Canker worm are crawling locust. And palmer worm are chewing locust. So whenever we read about the locust, the canker worm, palmer worm, it's all locust, but the first one, is the swarming. The second one is the crawling. And the third one is the chewing or devouring. So think about what I just said, that locust is symbolic of demonic powers that swarm, that crawl, and that devour. And that's what's happening in a lot of people's lives. They've seen such uh, devastation such losses that have happened so quickly. But just as quickly, God will restore it back all double. And ye shall eat in plenty, verse 26, and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, or in other words, miraculously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. So this is the promise of, of God to you. You will not be ashamed ever. Now today, millions here in the United States have filed for unemployment. Uh, many businesses don't know what to do about tomorrow, but the believer has nothing to worry about because what the locust has been eating and swarming and uh, devouring and so forth, God is about to restore all that in one month because of the work of Calvary. And ye shall know, verse 27 says, that I am in the midst of you, Israel, because that's the church, of course, that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Amazingly, God mentions that twice in verse 26 and 27. My people shall never be ashamed. The world will, but not God's people. Now, let's understand something about the Bible. The Bible is the book of recovery. It's the only book that shows us how to recover everything. No, no other book on planet Earth has these uh, amazing supernatural headlines on how to recover. Only the Bible. So God's Word is the book of recovery. More than that, 
it's the story of mankind that was lost. And now through Jesus, all will be restored. All will be recovered. And it's the story of your recovery. Now the Bible calls the devil a thief. He has come to steal. But let's understand now the laws of the kingdom of God and the laws of the world. You have to listen to me now. We are programmed, sadly, many people are programmed because of the world. That's why I'm telling people now to divide, to disconnect from the world. Don't let the world influence your thinking anymore. That's why I was teaching you a few days ago on receiving and maintaining a healthy mind in the spirit. And only by the world can that happen. But now I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the two different uh, systems, God's way and the world way. We have to start thinking God's way now. So the world says, the world says, everything born has to die. That's the way the world thinks. Everything born has to die. But the kingdom of God says everything that dies will be born. Everything that dies will live. That's why Jesus said we're to carry our cross. We are to choose death because that brings life. So the world says everything alive will die. The kingdom of God says everything that dies comes alive. Aha, uh -huh. big difference, big difference. The world says, the world says that everything new becomes old. That's what the world thinks. I buy a new this, it's going to get old. Car and clothing and this and that. Not God's way. Uh, not in God's kingdom, not God's word. Because in scripture, when, when you look at the world, they say what is new becomes old. Uh-uh. The kingdom of God says everything becomes new. The old becomes new. The world says the new becomes old, and God says, no, no, I disagree with you. Whatever is old will become new. Hallelujah. I will make all things new. All the things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. We are a new creation because the old is gone. So see how, how we, we have to reprogram this, our, this brain of ours to not think like the world that says, well, everything that is, that is born has to die. No, we say, no, everything that dies will be born. And the world says, well, everything that is new becomes old. Uh, uh, uh. Everything old becomes new. That's the word of God. Listen to what else the world says. Everything full becomes empty. That's in the world's mind. That's in the world's mind. But in the kingdom, it says everything empty will be full. Hallelujah. As we empty ourselves... God fills us. Everything empty becomes full in the kingdom, not in the world. Now, the world, the world says, everything strong becomes weak. No, 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 let's change that. It, that's only, that's what, what the world says. 
in the scriptures, it says everything weak becomes strong. You, you see the difference between the world and God, between God and the world. It's, it's the opposite, totally the opposite. I hope you can write these down. Let me give you one more. The world says, the world says, everything healthy will become sick one day. That's what the world says. But the Bible says whatever is sick will be healthy. I will renew your youth as the eagles. Wow. If you're sick, I'll heal you. You'll be healthy again. I'm going to renew your youth. There will be no disease among you. See, God doesn't look at, 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 way, at, at things like the world does. And he wants us to start thinking the same way, the same way. Let me tell you how, what else the world says. The world says everything positive will become a negative. Everything that is a positive has, will one day be a negative. The Bible is completely the opposite. Everything negative becomes positive. Look at your own life. <laughs> you belonged once to Satan, now you belong to God. Everything is in the positive, it finishes in the positives. Now, now, here's the problem, here's the problem. The problem is many Christians are still living, looking at the rear view mirror. The way the world looks, that's a rear view mirror look. They, they look at what is, you know, what, what is born has to die and what, uh, uh, what, what, is, what gets old, what is, is new becomes old and all this stuff. And what is full becomes empty. So, so they are looking rear view mirror. We have to change and look straight ahead. Yeah. Stop looking from the rear. Start looking ahead and start seeing it God's way. The minute you do, things will change because we live under a different law altogether. So the Lord Jesus says, I am come. Well, let's read the whole verse. Let's read the whole verse. John 10, 10. Now, I'm sure you know it, but it really kind of shows you both kingdoms. The thief... This is John 10, 10, and the Lord Jesus is saying, the thief, Satan, comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he comes to steal. He comes to kill and destroy everything negative. What you have, he wants to steal. What's alive, he wants to kill. What is whole, he wants to destroy. That's the devil. But Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and they, that they might have it more abundantly. You know what that means? That means we, we don't just have abundant life. Abundant life means multiplying life, unending life. So we go from life to life, life, to life, life, life to life, 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 and it keeps going. It doesn't stop. So our life continues to multiply and grow and become brighter and become better and more beautiful. That's what abundant means. 
It means it's never-ending growth of beauty, never-ending growth of glory, never-ending growth of love. So we go from glory to glory, but we have to understand it gets brighter as we move along. It gets more glorious as we get along, as we move along. Remember that Ezekiel saw the river and he saw that river of life coming out from the temple. And first he said only his feet got wet. Then it went up to his knees and then to his waist. And then water is so great, he, he, he had to swim. That's the way God sees life. We start with little and the little becomes greater and greater and greater and greater till we swim. We're swimming in glory. Yeah? We're swimming in the love of God. There's no end to it. That's what abundant life means. It means a growth in life, growth in the glory of God, growth in the part of God, growth in grace, growth. And that's what Paul says, we're to grow in grace, grow in the knowledge of the Lord, because it's a, it's a, it's a process. It's a process of life. So we don't just come and then everything stops. In Satan's kingdom, everything goes down and then it dies. In God's kingdom, it starts small and gets greater all the time. Hallelujah! My goodness. So the Bible states we are to regain all that the thief has stolen. It's your right to regain. As a Christian, you have that right. In Exodus 22, and I don't want to read the whole portion, but I think it'll do you great to read verse 1 to 9 about how you deal with a thief, what he has to restore. Because the thief must restore all that he has stolen. All that he has stolen. Satan has to restore everything sevenfold, not just double, not just double. Seven times it says, seven times. Wow. Think about that, people of God. It's time Oh, I love this part. It's time we subpoena the devil, bring an indictment against him, find him guilty, and force him to make restitution in the name of Jesus. We have the authority. Did not Jesus say, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and all the part of the enemy? And nothing shall by any means harm you? It's in the Word. It's in the Word. I'm going to show you what the Bible says that you and I need to do to be like this, to have that kind of authority. You wait. I'm going to be on it the whole week, so this is just the beginning. So, what is the roadmap? Well, the roadmap begins in 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30, I think, is probably the most important chapter in David's life, in King David's life. The most important thing that happened to him was happened in that chapter. It, it wasn't when, when he became king. It wasn't when he subdued kingdoms. First Samuel 30, in my opinion, is the most important chapter about David. Because what he did, what he did, changed everything for him. He could have lost everything had he not done what I'm, I'm going to show you. So 
but we will we'll get there. But be, be, before, because before we, we look at that chapter, uh, we have to understand something about, about David. Before that chapter, he was running away from Saul. It was after that chapter he began to reign. He went from running to reigning. He was running before 1 Samuel 30. He began reigning after 1 Samuel 30. Something happened in 1 Samuel 30 where he stopped running and started reigning. Sorry, I just had to give a, a little praise break here for me. Because I, I, when I think about what he did in 1 Samuel 30, that was like the turning point in David's life. Had he gone the other way, he could not have reigned. Because he's been running the whole time. Peter the Apostle. You know, if anybody blew it, it was Peter who blew it. If it was anyone's fault, if you think about what Peter did, that was his fault. Jesus didn't do it. Peter denies his Lord. Peter got so angry, he began to curse. I don't know the man. And if you think about anybody that had no right to reclaim, it was Peter. Less than a hundred days before Pentecost. Less than 100 days before he stood and preached the greatest message that ever be, been preached by one man outside Jesus. That same man, Peter, denied his Lord and cursed. Think about running away. Think about failing. So here is David running from Saul. And one chapter, we see the change and begins to reign. Here's Peter a hundred days before Pentecost when he was so anointed, shook the whole city of Jerusalem and the world after that with that one message. Think, think. When Jesus ministered the gospel, nobody was convicted to say, what must I do to be saved? Peter preaches and 3,000 say, what do we do? Because now the Holy Spirit is on earth to convict people. Think about the moment on Pentecost. But less than 100 days before, Peter failed. So there's a lot of people I'm talking to who feel, I blew it. I failed. I don't deserve recovery. You're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, Peter lost, the, lost his relationship with God altogether. But just a little talk with Jesus and everything was fine. Do you remember what, what happened? Oh, I love this. His recovery started with a meal. Jesus invites him to dinner. Don't you remember? When Jesus rose from the dead, that Sunday night, he said, let's eat. <laughs> he never said, you bad boy, Peter, you. 
I'm talking to Chad too over there. And, and others in this room, I guess. He didn't say, you blew it, Peter. You, you, you. No. Ah. He said, let's eat, come on. Because God never stops loving you. God doesn't treat you like you treat him. He wants to see a recovery in your life because you're his child. So, David, I'm going to just give you the headlines and we, I'm going to give you a few more details and I'll say bye. Continue tomorrow. It says he did five things. Now, let's begin reading. You and I are going to start reading 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to see the change that happened in the life of David that was the most important time in his life. So now it came to pass that when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, smitten Ziglag, burnt it with fire. How would you like to come home and find out everything is burnt up? Had taken the women, the captives that were therein. They didn't kill any, not the great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David comes home. His house is burnt down. His family are prisoners. That's what you call loss. And all his men, hundreds of them, found their homes burnt up and their families prisoners. What would you do if you come home one day and find your house burned down and your family are all behind some, some bars, you know? So think about what his mental state was like, what all of their mental state was like, all of these men. And David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burnt with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and cried and wept until they had no more power to weep. They cried so much they couldn't cry no more. They ran out of tears. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed. You talk about somebody who, who was depressed when he couldn't think straight. And David was greatly distressed for the people speak of stoning him. I mean, think about somebody who's about to get killed for it. Not only was he depressed and so down and thinking, dear Lord, what am I going to do? But now people wanted to kill him. I'm sure there are people today on earth who are just in that state because of all that virus going on and they've lost their jobs, they lost this, they lost that. Maybe somebody whom they know in their family had died. Greatly distressed. People here wanted to kill David. I'm sure nobody now, any, any, anybody is, is as bad as David. I don't think it's anybody right now as, as bad as David was. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son, for his daughter. And here was, is what David did. He was smart enough to know this. He encouraged himself in the Lord 
his God. Now you listen to me. You listen to me. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. The first thing you have to do to go from destruction to resurrection. He was under a the law of the world. We're going to kill you. He's depressed. But he knew I'm under a different law. This is so strong. Now listen, don't, don't miss what I'm going to say. This is when he stopped running. He stopped running when he did, he, he began with one thing. I'm just going to talk, I'm going to talk to you about it, with one thing. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Meaning that recovery begins on the inside of you. Recovery begins on the inside of you. He encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. He didn't wait for someone else to do that for him. He encouraged himself. Now, when people are down, they look for counselors, somebody to help them, somebody to pray with them. Oh, they go around, running around, wanting help from someone else. Ah, ah, ah. Recovery begins on the inside of you. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Recovery begins when you encourage yourself. Because at such times, no one really can encourage you. No one can do that job for you. You're so down, nobody knows what to tell you. Victory begins on the inside of us. That's where it begins. It doesn't begin with people helping us or advising us or encouraging us. No. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Wow, wow, wow. He began to focus on the promises God gave him. He began to focus on the promises that he received while looking at the promises and the word of God. You've read your Bible. Now it's time to go back and remember the promises God gave you. God gave you. Many times I'm sure the Lord gave you a promise here and a promise there, knowing what was coming down the road. Now it's time to go back on the inside of you and look at these promises God gave you. Not the problems. And begin to use what's inside of you to bring forth a miracle. In 2 Peter chapter 1, let's talk about what's inside of you. In 2 Peter, there's a lot, you know, I, 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 I want to be careful not to miss, but there's a lot I want to say here to you today that I don't want to miss. But let, let me just uh, read verse 3. According, 2 Peter 1, and, and I'll continue tomorrow on this, okay? According as his divine power 
hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us on the inside we know him, exceeding great and precious promises. There's something on the inside of you. You've got to go right back and look at, look at it. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. How do I go back? I have to go on the inside of me because that's where recovery starts. I have to encourage myself in the Lord. And when I do that, I become a partaker of that divine nature within me. And I start to escape the corruption around from around me. And I have a lot to tell you, but I have to continue tomorrow. I'm sorry. I can't continue now. I know you want me to continue. But there's a lot more I want to get, get into tomorrow with you on how to go within. What does it mean to go within? To encourage yourself in the Lord, like Jean Guyon could do for 10 years in a, in, a, in, a, in a cell, or like Paul the Apostle in a Roman prison be able to say, Rejoice! And again, I say, Rejoice. What kind of power did he find inside of him to write Philippians? In whatsoever state I am, I'm content. And here he was in a prison. What was it on the inside of him that you and I have already inside of us? We need to use it now. This is the time to use what's inside of us. All right. I'm going to continue tomorrow. Don't be mad at me because I know you want me to continue, but we've, we've got to. Tomorrow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with how to go on the inside of you and start bringing recovery out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's tomorrow. Now I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, stretch your hands towards me. Come on. I'm searching my hands towards you in faith. Father, everything lost, everything lost must be restored. We command Satan in the name of Jesus seven times back. Everything must come back seven times. Total restoration. Total recovery in Jesus' mighty name. We take our, our authority now. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray every person watching and listening will see total recovery, total and quick recovery in Jesus' name. Lord, and give us the clarity we need this week to see it in your word. In Jesus' name, meet every need. Amen. Now, I'm not done yet. Just give me another minute or so, then I'll say goodbye. I want to pray with you for your finance. This is very important. The worst thing anyone can do today is stop giving to God. This is not the time to stop giving because if you stop giving, you'll stop living. If you stop giving, you'll stop living. This is the time to give so you can live. Because God is looking at your faith now. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteous cause. And all these things you need in life will be added unto you. Read Matthew 6, 33. Put God's interest ahead of yours. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the things you need on earth will be added. You that have businesses, you that have, uh, uh, you know, work and jobs and you that lost your job. This is the time to give, I'm telling you. So you in business will keep your business going strong and you that are out of work will see no lack. No lack. No lack in Jesus' name, no lack. Honor the Lord, Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. That's in verse 9 and 10. So shall thy barns or your vets, your material things is really what that means. Be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. New wine. Honor the Lord with your money, with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. Yet that's your tithe. And so your barns your material needs will be full and blessed. No lack, no lack. God does not want our tips. He wants our obedience. He wants our obedience. So whenever we give, we bring glory to God. Whenever we give, we enable ourselves to properly come into his courts Whenever we give, we make our worship complete. Giving makes our worship complete. So do it today. You can sow your seed right now. Benihin Ministries, you, you can do it right on the app you're watching me on or uh, uh, on the platform. You can text it to BHM45777. I think I gave the right one, yeah. That's BHM45777 is how you can text your seed. Or just go to benin.org online. I'm telling you, saints, when we stop giving, we stop living. And when we continue giving, we continue living. God will never fail us. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, or a seed begging for bread. That's God's promise. Father, meet that need financially. Bring your people into that abundance. You promise in your word. There'll not be one day of lack. Not a day. Not even an hour. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shalom. Bye-bye.